a massive turnaround in the markets. Those changes during Jerome Powell's press conference yesterday completely wiped out today, with shares plunging in the US, bond yields rising. Why? Are markets pricing in recession fears? Or do they still think the Fed can deliver a softish landing, as Jerome Powell called it yesterday? Well, the Bank of England governor uh, gave a recession warning overnight as they lifted interest rates, so they too are now at 1%. And how much further will they go? An RBA forecast today. It's the statement of monetary policy. It's Friday, the 6th of May, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Whatever happened yesterday, forget it, because it's basically the opposite direction today, whatever you look at. Back then, the US dollar lost ground. Today, the DXY index is up 0.9%, up over 103.5, actually reaching the highest in 20 years overnight. Against that, the euro is down 0.7%, the pound down 2.1%, the Aussie dollar is down 2% as well. The two major currencies that hit the hardest today, the Aussie is now just over 71 US cents. Equities that had that big surge during the press conference yesterday for the Fed. Today, very different. The Nasdaq is down 5%. The Dow down 3.1%, 3.8% lower for the S&P. This is largely a US thing, though, because Eurostox 50 is down by only three quarters of 1%. The FTSE 100 is actually up a little today. And those bond yields falling so sharply during the press conference today back up and more. In fact, 10-year treasuries over 3% now with a 10 basis point rise, higher than that earlier. In fact, the, the highest in four years. Uh, moves up of seven or eight basis points across most of Europe, but not the UK. Interestingly, during a session when the Bank of England upped rates and gave a stark recession warning, not much movement in bond yields at all there. And against all of that, moves up in oil again. WTI over $108 with a half percent rise. Brent over 111 with a 0.7% rise. So Gavin Friend is here this morning from NAB in London. Uh, so, Gavin, what is your take on this massive turnaround from yesterday? Uh, a lot of that reaction, of course, yesterday was based on that one line, wasn't it, from the press conference when Jerome Powell said that they are not looking at any 75 basis point hikes, uh, which, you know, no one was contemplating that weeks ago, were they? So I don't know where that came from. Uh, so was it a bit of an overreaction on the markets yesterday? Uh, are they now sort of facing a bit of a reality check? Yeah, morning, Phil. Um, I mean, there's plenty of comments out there trying to fit the crime to the move or a macro reason mm. to the big uplift in yields that we've seen. And really, the, it's not really the shorter end, it's the 10 years out that have really moved. Yeah. Uh, so you've got a steepening of the curve again. Um, and um, it, it's possible, isn't it? I mean, you know, w- as we wrote yesterday, and I think as most analysts have written, Chairman Powell was unambiguously uh, hawkish. Um, you know, he, he he kind of appealed to the American people about, you know, um, it was a pledge to expeditiously deal with inflation that the Fed has the tools to do this. He talked about the 50 basis points uh, that's penciled in effectively on the table for the next two meetings. Um, there was nothing really in there that wasn't hawkish. But as you say, the market clinged on to that line with a pushback about 75. I mean, we would caution they're not rolling anything out yet. They will do what they need to do to get this thing back to bring inflation to heel. So maybe it is a bit of a reality check. You know, there isn't, you look around the market, um, there aren't, you know, many other factors going on out there. We, we had some um, US uh, unit labor market data, unit labor costs for, for Q1, which were, you know, very high. Mm. But then there are fact and low productivity alongside that. There are factors that are driving that at the moment, and that is you know, a lot of the uh, disruption from COVID, the uh, much weaker than expected Q1 GDP 
numbers we saw last week. So we've got to really wait until Q2 to get some stabilisation. We can't really read in, in much into that. I mean, the speed and the size of the moves in 10 years, you know, up from, what, 293 to 310 at one point. I mean, it come off that high now. Similar moves to new, what, three or four year, three year highs in the 30 year and new highs in 30 year mortgage bonds suggests that there was something going through some kind of order flow that may have triggered something and an extension, some stops and bits and pieces. I have no evidence to prove what's going through there at the moment or, but that's, or, or that's how that's how it feels when you talk to people and you talk to yeah. traders that there was something going through but i mean always you know it's sort of like a lack of belief that actually the fed is going to get this thing in check and you know stagflation is going to happen and the softish landing as jerome powell called it is not going to happen yeah so he painted that pathway to a soft or softish landing where Demand comes down, wages come down, inflation come down. And we know mechanically core inflation and other measures of inflation are going to start rolling over as the base effects kicking over the next few months. So there's, there's no doubt really that inflation will be lower, but we don't see it yet. Mm. So it's a really good, interesting question, isn't it? It's, it goes to the psychology of markets of when we do see that, when we get to July and August, that we do have some evidence that inflation has rolled over a bit and people can say, hmm, maybe that is now the top. Does that change the market psychology? Can the markets then start to believe in that pathway that Jay Powell was uh, was kind of you know talking us through yesterday? Yeah, but it, it, ha- I mean, he was pretty that- clear. It, it's it's a challenging pathway. There's no, mm. you know, there's no guarantee we're going to get there. Um, but I, you know, so I think maybe there's some sum and some. Let's let's see. And yeah. I think you know we've got to look at the data over the next few weeks, uh, other data, and and the markets can play with that dynamic. Well, look, it was it was a, a, I mean overtly stated by the Bank of England governor that recession in the UK was a real possibility. I'm just you know it's not been so overtly expressed in in the US, but maybe it's not stagflation. Maybe you know inflation subsides, but it's still the question, isn't it? Of how much contraction have you seen in the economy uh, in the meantime? But look, the Bank of England uh, also now another rise, also now at one percent. Uh, the UK press quick to point out this is the highest in 13 years. Unfortunately, it happened during uh, a day of elections in the UK, uh, and uh, and inflation expected to exceed 10 percent of the at the end of the year, which is going to be the highest in in 40 years. So, but there's no guarantee that they're going to move very swiftly, is there? I mean, the statement was some degree of further tightening in monetary policy may still be appropriate in the coming months. So they're not going bang, 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 are they? They're not. It's a very different dynamic to that in the US, which is struggling to contain, you know, demand issues, uh, demand strength. Whereas in the UK, yeah, we have a strong labour market, although actually it's more structural that we just don't have the workers. Um, we don't have. We have. We have significant headway. Uh, sorry, significant headwinds coming from uh, the, the, the squeeze on real incomes, the worst since the 1950s. This is the cure. Uh, you know, quote that uh, Governor, uh, Bank, Bank of England Governor Andrew Bailey says that will bring inflation down. It isn't really going to be done by monetary policy. They are, and he's been talking about this very fine line, tight line between what the Bank of England does and actually pushing inflation down too quickly below target, triggering a recession. Today, a new set of forecasts, they're not good. Inflation, as you say, will go not at, will not peak at seven percent. It will peak at ten. We kind of knew that because that's due to the vagaries of the energy regulator in the UK and the fact that they're going to be putting through another thirty to forty percent increase 
to household energy bills on top of the 54% that we had in April, more will be coming in October. From that point, inflation will drop and it will drop quite quickly, they think, down to just above 6% at the end of next year, but down to 1.3%, they think, um, at the beginning of 2025. So that's the three-year horizon. 1.3%, mm. If that, that's based on the, the current market curve. Now, if that is the outturn, that'll be the biggest you know, um, drop below uh, the 2% target since the GFC. But there's more. They're talking about um, GDP you know, basically coming rolling over towards the end of this year. In Q4 this year, growth will be negative by 1% in the final quarter. And then for next year, 2023, growth that's really flatlining. They've actually got uh, yeah. a minus 025 growth profile for the whole of next year um and that's, you know, that's, so that's that, reason, doesn't it because even even if inflation was to ease off because as you say sort of baseline effects get fed through uh people are still left aren't they with those high, high i mean those bills aren't coming down their wages haven't gone up enough to compensate so they're still feeling the squeeze so they will still be spending less next year uh even though inflation's starting to fall back indeed and so the bank has got this it feels that there's a natural way that these things have come down. It doesn't have to do much. But what was interesting today is, is that three members of the MPC of the nine-member committee voted for 50 basis points. They didn't get their way. The mm. committee voted for 25. Now, the, the initial sort of reaction to that headline was, oh, that's a bit more hawkish than most, including ourselves, thought. But when you look to the detail, it's more about those members are worried about second round effects, wage inflation, getting up to 5% or so. There's, there's, there's lots of mixed evidence of where wages are really going, but that's what's worrying them. And they want a quick stab at 50 basis points to try and send a, a strong signal not to pay you know, inflation-busting wage settlements. Um, and it's not that they think rates would be doing a J Powell, 50 and 50 and 50, not at all. Mm. It's more, you, you should see that in the spirit of do that, and then we won't have to go so far. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's more. It's 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 so it's, it's more about you know uh, the timing of the hikes rather than the size of the hikes they want. Yeah. Well, they one thing they didn't do was wind back their the start the winding back of their balance sheet. They basically want to they want to have a strategy for it, which surely shows uh, that they are concerned that if they were to do that. But it's interesting, isn't it? That you know that you've got this sizable balance sheet. They might not be adding to it, but they're adding adding. Uh, interest rates while you know sitting on all this all this money I, I guess the concern is i mean it's effectively uh burning money isn't it if it, you know if the bank of england created the money to buy those bonds in the first place then it's money destruction i guess there is a big concern at times like this what impact that's going to have well the counter argument see there isn't much in the way of sort of academic studies in terms of what quantitative funding does mm. Um, you know, the, 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 there, there isn't much out there. So the idea would be that if they start running this balance sheet down in any kind of, it wouldn't be aggressive anyway, probably something like five billion a month if it were to happen at all. Yeah. Um, you know, it would, it would be at the margin something that would buttress um, the, uh, the rate rises in a way that the man in the street doesn't really see it, doesn't stress about his mortgage payments going up. It's quietly doing its job in the background. But the point they made today is they're already doing passive QT, so they're not reinvesting the existing, yeah. the, the, the maturing of the existing 966 billion guilt holdings they've got. And they're going to make a decision on this uh, in, in August. They may or they may not do it. I think right. the thing I want to leave you with on the UK today is this was not a good encouraging report on the UK economy and it's not been friendly to Sterling. Sterling has been absolutely walloped yes. down by 
you know, um, over over one and a half percent against against a stronger dollar, let's say, but also down against the euro. It did fall heavily against the Aussie and the Kiwi. But because during our session, there's been this move in bonds and against risk with equities off, the Aussie and the Kiwi uh, have given up those gains and we're now back where we were again. Yeah, so the Aussie flat on exactly, the day versus sterling. Exactly. Which is interesting, isn't it? So the Aussie really, that is just purely this risk, risk sentiment, which has driven the Aussie down by quite so much today. But Indeed. Going forward, just think about the Bank of England, the combination of likely less monetary tightening. We're pretty much, you know, two members of the MPC today said they're done. They don't want to see any more rate hikes at the moment. That's not to say they won't vote for hikes in the future, but at the moment they're looking for a pause. So that's very different from what we heard from Jay Powell yesterday and from, from, from some of the other central banks. Um, and the combination of that and negative growth at the end of this year doesn't stand the UK in good stead against its G10 peers, and that's why sterling is, has been hit. And that's why UK yields came off. They've reversed some of that move because of the global yield move, but they were hit extremely hard earlier on in the right. session. Still got a bit to cover. We're going to have to motor through all of this, but I do want to talk about Europe as well, because the euro obviously not taken as big a hit as, uh, as the pound or the Aussie dollar, but we did see German factory orders well down, but we also saw the uh, the services PMI, the Cajun services PMI, down to 36.2 in China. It's only been that low at the start of the pandemic. Of course, normally it's over 50. Uh, it's normally expanding, uh, but contracting a great deal now. Now, given China is Germany, uh, Germany's uh, biggest trading partner, that won't have helped those factory orders, obviously. No, indeed. I mean, we know the reason why the China orders are, da- are down because of the COVID lockdown, and all this is, is running through now, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, through to uh, big trading partners, as you say, uh, German orders down 4.7%. And really, it was really all on export orders down nearly 7%. Domestic orders are down much less than that. And export orders to non-Eurozone countries down 13%. So there's your China, there's your Russia effect. It's not good. And this is really as we get going. I mean, good knows what happens if uh, if, if if Europe, which is which is angling on you know, get pushing through an oil embargo. If it, if what is going to be the, the retaliation tactics from Vladimir Putin? Is he going to nix uh, Europe's access to gas? Is what they really need to keep the lights on and the, and the factories running? Um, I mean, that really would plunge Europe into recession. So mm. it's not a good look at this point, and it means um, today's industrial production numbers for Germany are going to be really grim. Yes. Uh, Australia's trade surplus yesterday increased a bit because we saw a fall in imports, 5% down month on month. That was after that big rise in February. I wonder if this is a sign that consumption is moving down. Uh, we're certainly putting less money into, into houses because housing permits well down 18.5% month on month. But of course, they can be a little bit all over the place. But the big story for Australia, obviously, is the, uh, the statement of monetary policy later on today. It's going to be interesting to see those various forecast scenarios. Uh, Philip Lowe wasn't terribly prescriptive, was he, uh, this week after the RBA meeting? He basically said, we don't know uh, what will be normalised interest rates. And even, even if we did, we don't know how quickly we're going to get there. So it's going to be interesting to see their scenarios today. Yeah, it is. I mean, we do know that they've they've run the slide rule over inflation. So headline goes now above six percent, um, underlying trimmed mean to four and three quarters. Uh, it won't come back down now to the top of the band of three percent till mid twenty twenty four, and that even as rate as you say rates um, start rising and. You know, to that point about Governor Lowe talking about, you know, the normalisation, which could see rates, you know, back up to two and a half percent. I mean, we need to get some detail on that, don't we, um, mm-hmm. ar- around those kinds of things. So we'll get the full 
forecast update and the full discussion, if you like, around around that, which uh, which obviously is going to be crucial. So uh, U.S. non-farm payrolls tonight. I'm not sure what's going to be a good number here. Will we will we see more people going to being in work? Is that a good thing? Or does that add to wage inflation? What 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 what's the what is a good answer in non-farm well, payments? Well, I think you start at the point where you you've already you've heard this week from Jay Powell from the Fed. You know they're they're very intent on nixing inflation. They've told you what they're going to do. They've told you they're prepared to go further if they want to. So anything that suggests you know higher prices, whether it's through average hourly earnings or whether it's through a lower unemployment rate. I think the market can deal with that because it knows it knows the game plan. I think probably the risk for asset price, price movements might be on something on the other side. But, you know, maybe this maybe this report, I mean, it's always very important to markets, but maybe it's losing it, just in this phase. It might lose yeah. some of its some of its uh, vigor. You know? well, well, we'll hear more from federal uh, Fed speakers as well. John Williams from the uh, New York Fed tonight. Uh, Bostick, uh, Waller and Daly all tomorrow morning as well. Let's see what they can do for the markets. Uh, obviously, Jerome Powell is the master when it comes to driving the markets with the words that comes out of his mouth, uh, as we saw uh, 24 hours ago. Uh, but we'll leave it there for now. Good to talk to you again, Gavin. We'll catch you again soon thanks and you and you feel thanks good having back on we haven't had him on since easter uh we'll be back on monday morning with another edition of the morning call i'm phil dobby for nab have a great weekend we'll see you next week